0: You're listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast with your hosts, Attorney Dan Mayer and Licensed Counselor Melissa Westner. Dan is not your attorney, and Melissa is not your therapist, but they're here to help you cross your T's and dot your I's as they talk about all the things you wish you had learned in grad school. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Hi there, and welcome back. As you know, this season, we are talking with mental health practitioners with valuable real-world experience. They're coming to share about the challenges they've faced, the steps they've taken to overcome them, and the lessons you can learn from their experiences too.
2: You know, as a reminder, we're changing things up a bit because obviously last year, um, you know, we focused on compliance and ethics um, and legal considerations. We had a number of guests on who are experts in their fields who came on to give their insights and share their stories. This year, what we're really focusing on is we want to hear from you, the listener, about your stories and what obstacles and what experiences you have um, to talk about. And so today, we are joined by um, Rafi. Now, Rafi um, is a couples counselor. He's an LCSWC. Um, He owns a group practice here in Baltimore, Maryland as well as being the director of the Montgomery County Abuse Intervention Program for Domestic Violence um, Offenders. What he had told us previously was that he does he loves working with couples and family um, dynamics, and especially the tough ones. Now, per Rafi, what Rafi told us was, well, he does not love being an entrepreneur. He has learned how to be a practice owner without incurring too many of the headaches. But as if he wasn't busy enough, he also writes children books um, in his spare time. So, with that in mind, we welcome Rafi, uh, and, and you are certainly keeping yourself busy, I will say that.
3: <laughs> you have no idea. I just launched another endeavor. <laughs> I don't know why I had this idea um, related to private practice, which maybe we'll get into talking about later. But uh, you wanted to hear mostly about my experiences uh, being a group practice owner and the funny things I've encountered along the way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, sure. Uh,
3: so, I'll just launch into the story.
1: Yeah. So before you do that, you know, one of the things that I just wanted to mention is that you volunteered today to talk about something that I think is both vulnerable and brave. And I said, Are you okay talking about that in front of everybody? And you're like, Yeah. Um, And so, one, we really appreciate your willingness to share openly about something that I know can create a lot of stress for people. Um, We're going to be talking about an issue or a topic that can create a lot of stress, confusion, heated debates, and you have firsthand experience in this area, that area being making decisions about hiring independent contractors, employees, knowing the difference, what does that mean if you have a contractor versus an employee, and we're going to let you jump right in and tell us how you came to be so knowledgeable about this? Uh,
3: the short answer is the hard way. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: that's often the answer. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. um, yeah, so I have a lot of, of opinions on a lot of things, but on, on this one particularly. So I, I actually, I was never <laughs> intending to be a business owner. I just, I moved to Baltimore, I think seven or eight years ago now, and I just basically was planning to put out a shingle, which I did. Uh, and I was seeing clients I actually. So this other job with Montgomery County was and is a full-time job. So I, I have two full-time jobs in addition to everything else Is right. And then so everything else and is you,
2: going on. And you're a parent, correct? You also have kids, right? Four. Yeah. Four All right. Yeah. That's, that's also a full-time job because I'm right. a parent. One, one is a
3: full-time job, right? <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> uh, right. So busy, definitely busy. So, um, so yeah, I wasn't, I, I just, Started seeing clients, and then when I, you know, I had too many. I didn't have like a, like forty clients. I, was, I had too many to handle with the full time job. I was like, oh, I, I guess I got to hire somebody to do it because I, I, I have this loathing of turning people away, uh, partially because I like helping people, and, and partially because I like taking their money. So um, I didn't want to turn clients away. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll hire somebody. I didn't know what I was doing. I did some basic research, maybe on Google, whatever. Um, and from what I understood, I mean, the, the basic, you know, distinction between contractor and employee, very broadly speaking, is contractor does what they do. They're a separate entity and they they do what they do and you don't have control over them, over what they do. And the employee is like, you're you're supervising, you're telling them what to do, et cetera, et cetera. I really wanted to do the contractor thing. I didn't want to be micromanaging or even managing somebody else. I just wanted to say like, hey, here's a client, do your thing, you're you're a competent therapist, do it. Um, And for my basic research, it seemed to be okay. Uh and I mean, not that again, not that I really knew what I was doing contracted with as an employee. I found a contract, a boilerplate contract online. Uh, I mm-hmm. spoke to a friend of mine who was a lawyer who looked it over and said, Yeah, this is good, changes, great, whatever. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't hire a lawyer. It didn't seem to be sensible to me to spend, you know, however many hundreds of dollars an hour to do something that you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It seems mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Uh, and it was. It, it would have been it would have been okay, except. Oh right!
2: Except so some hear the music. Is there music we can play for that?
0: <laughs> I know. I'm
1: I'm bracing, I'm right. bracing for this. Right. Well, the um, so so
3: the the person who was a contractor, uh, left my agency. Um, I encouraged her to do so. Let us put it that way, uh, and she left. Uh, and despite the nature of her uh, contract with me and the things explicitly written therein. She applied for unemployment benefits. Um, for those of you who are in the day, de- right? You guys do nodding your heads for everyone out yeah. there in podcast land. A contractor does not have unemployment benefits. Right. Well, I get the letter back from the Department of Labor saying, hey, uh, we want to verify this information. I'm not sure what to do with it. I asked another lawyer friend of mine who, who was quite knowledgeable and said, look, she didn't. If, you, if she was a contractor, she didn't work for you. Check off the box that this person never worked here. Okay, well. Long story short, I'm now in an audit with the Department of Labor, right? Mm-hmm. Audit capital A, the kind of thing that scares the pants off of all of us. It wasn't so bad. They didn't tear me apart, but they basically firmly held to this point that she is not a contractor. She's an employee for such and such reasons. Dan, as you are probably well aware, in order to have a contractor therapist in the state of Maryland is virtually impossible.
2: Well, I I don't I would say it's not impossible, but you have to be very careful in how you do it. And if you don't, if there's any right. missteps, they will come after you. Absolutely,
3: right. So I would contend it is really much harder than that. You obviously know better mm-hmm. than I do, but you're you know there, there's all kinds. It's much stricter than the IRS in Maryland. Um, you can't have in theory if you're doing a, if you're running a therapy business, they cannot be running a therapy business. I mean, they can't you you know that's one of their one of their terms it's extremely difficult. You have to have somebody set up their own company. It's not just you hire somebody. They have to have a formal company. You know, they asked me, like, does Mm -hmm. Lily have business cards? Does she have a website? Like, if they don't have a website, hi, therapist for hire, that's not a contractor. I mean, it's extremely difficult. It's possible, but you have to be like, you have to go overboard to make it happen. It's not like, hmm, should I hire a contractor or an employee? There's a huge amount of setup that goes into it. I argued I had a really good case on many of the factors. It was very accurate. I didn't tell her what to do. I didn't control her, her hour, nothing. But in Maryland, it's very specific. And I lost, right? I did have an attorney. I did hire an attorney at that point. And he fought and he sent letters and back and forth. And we got to the point where he said, look, if you want to take it to court, we can do that. I did some research. There is no precedent in which in, a, in the Maryland court in which this uh, argument came up and the state conceded. He said, there's no precedent for it. If you want to try to be that president, we can do that. I think you should just take, pay the money they're asking for, which was a couple thousand dollars. It was not ruinous. Um, and so I gave up and move on. But I'm still kind of bitter about it. Well, actually, as I'm talking about it now, less bitter. I'm less bitter now that I'm sort of feeling more knowledgeable about it. Um, so I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not expert in this area, but I'm pretty knowledgeable. And I, I warn people when they have contractors in the sort of Judgment free way like guys do what you want, but you have to be aware like if you get into a snit with the Department of Labor, you are going to lose unless you do the following things.
1: So can you talk with us a little bit about what that process is like for anyone who is either going through that process or or someone who just wants to know what that process is like, can you talk a little bit about that.
3: The process of, of, of going through the audit with the, with the LR. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so. I'm trying to remember back. I don't think they, they really looked through all my my financials or all my everythings. Um, it was basically a lot of letter writing back and forth and a lot of me talking to my lawyer and then send, them sending letters. And they would say, well, look, here's the thing. You have this and that's not. And we would write back and say, well, yeah, but look at this and look at this. And they would basically sort of send us a picture of them with their hands over their ears uh, going la, 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 and just refusing, like totally not really taking into account our arguments, but just saying, no, this is the way it is and too bad. Uh, It was kind of more formal than that, but that was the message. And that's okay, because when you're the state, you can do that. And when you're, you know, one guy like me with a lawyer, you lose. So it was was stressful in the sense that I didn't like going through it, but I would get a letter. There were no threats in it. There was no teeth. Um, And ultimately they said, look, you have to pay back this much money. And then my lawyer got on. I was actually able to speak to a human being there, which probably in in this era is not even possible anymore. But we worked something out. They said, OK, we'll waive this part. but You have to pay this part. So it, it, nobody was mean to me. And nobody scared or threatened me. Um, it was just it was a scary thing to, to go through at the time, sort of facing those things. Um, but at that point, once I got in touch with a, an attorney who, I, I mean, he has to be my friend also. So that was comfortable. Obviously, you want to find someone that you like and, and are comfortable with. And if they can sort of ha- hold your hand through it, it, it wasn't so bad. I, I mean, I was more than stress. I was angry about the whole situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I survived.
1: Now, for a lot of people, something like this or a board investigation, they, you know, clearly would be stressful things. Um, Sometimes they're long drawn out processes. I'm wondering uh, how you navigated or if you can talk about how you navigated the stress and the emotional aspect of going through that process.
3: That time again, I the the stress wasn't. I mean, I knew that I was not facing something ruinous, so the stress was not terrible. The frustration was a lot more, uh, and I basically complained to my wife a lot, who you know patted me on the head and was very validating. And I complained to my friends, who expressed outrage on my behalf, uh, and that was that was good and that was helpful. I do recall one time when I did sort of get into it with the board who thought that something was not quite right. And that was far more stressful hmm. um, because there, you know, if something goes wrong there, and I mean, here it was something much smaller, but you know, on the chance that something goes wrong, that's terrifying. Right? Mm-hmm. That's your career. This was not my career and it was not uh, tens of thousands of dollars. So it was stressful in a, in a mild way and frustrating um, but I didn't have that same kind of fear that I'm, you know, if I was under investigation or something. I knew I hadn't done anything terribly wrong, but they're going to be like, "Aha, we're taking your business."
2: Well, a question, the question I also I have is, what were the issues that the, um, the essentially the unemployment commission uh, felt that was was you know kind of made this person an employee as opposed to a contractor?
0: Uh,
3: okay, Dan, I don't know if you can help me remember the language in their in their terms. I can look it up if we need. It's on my computer here somewhere that uh, uh, they have like three prongs. And the third one says something to the effect of, in much nicer language, they cannot be doing something that is your main um, operations in business. Mm -hmm. Meaning Mm -hmm. if I'm running a therapy business, um, you cannot have a contractor who is providing therapy unless I think it has to be done in a different location or something like that. Um it, it's pretty clear to me, and again, Dan, you can correct me, if you are running a private group practice, and you have somebody working at your office location, that person is by definition not a contractor, according to the state of Maryland. Um, so that was, I think, the main thing. Like, they looked at her and they said, what makes this person a contractor? She's not a separate business, unless you can show me that she had a business card saying therapist for hire. She's doing what you do for a living, right? You're a therapy group. She does therapy. She's doing it in your office. Like that just doesn't fit the bill here in Maryland.
1: And if we're talking time frame for this process, how long did this whole process take?
3: From the time that uh, I got the letter from the first letter from Department of Labor until the money was paid off and they went home was, I think, probably a year and a half.
0: Okay, so
1: it's a long, mm-hmm. it's a long while to be in that space of waiting.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, at some point, I, I just came to terms with the fact that I'd be paying out some chunk of money and, you know, bitter and frustrated for a while, but it, it wasn't a year and a half of, of constant stress.
1: Okay. Now, when you say that you lost, right, what does that mean in terms of outcome?
3: They decided she was a, an employee, not a contractor. I was, she actually withdrew the claim for unemployment afterwards for, for reasons I'm not clear, it's, it's her own personal stuff. Um, which meant I didn't have to pay unemployment. I'm not even, I, I'm not sure entirely what that looks like. But um, they required me to be paying, I think, payroll taxes from the two or three years, whatever, that should be with me and back pay. And, and the truth is, I. It, it's a little bit of a fog to me. Um, there were things that I, there, there was money that I owed them. So mm-hmm. I had to pay them a bunch of money for either possibly part, like they were fining me, I think, in part, and partially in terms of the back taxes and stuff like that. Gotcha. So it just means I had to pay a lot of money. Uh, that That's about it.
2: Did, did the contractor have or this person have their own separate business entity registered for them? No. Because I, I only ask because sometimes that often is used as um, a distinguishing factor. That yes. creates them as a as a separate business, and right. so that's why I was wondering. Yeah,
3: okay, right. So I had not I had not been aware of that at the time. Now, if I was being a contractor, I would certainly insist upon that. But even that strikes me as not enough for for Maryland's rules, because they say even if they have their own business, if they're doing in your business what you do in your business, that's called an employee. You and I can all disagree about what it means to be an employee, but that's what the state of Maryland says is an employee. They do what you do, that's an employee.
1: Yeah. Now. What would you say, so one of the things about this season is we want to be able to talk about these challenges, what you learned, what you think other people can learn or take away. What would you hope other mental health practitioners could take away from this experience or this story?
3: Yeah. So on a specific level, I I regret that a lot of people are going to hear this episode and start getting all stressed out about their own employment structures. So I'm sorry for anybody who feels stressed. I think that that's something that needs to be looked at. What I tell people is you're probably okay unless something goes wrong, right? The state is not running around hunting for people like you, but if something right. goes wrong, you're probably going to lose that battle. Um, so, anybody who has contractors who hasn't set it up extensively and carefully is probably not able to win a battle if it ever comes to it with the state. I, so, for people, I agree.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. I absolutely agree with that. And that, you know, I think that's one of the most important takeaways, not just from your experience, but just in general is that if you're hiring contractors versus employees or trying to make the decision. The distinctions that you make and how you do it, it has to be so carefully done. So well, that, you know, right. Absolutely. It's such a critical thing. And I agree with you that, you know, if you're going to go up against a state agency, whether it's the employment board or even a licensing board, you know, it's it is as a that is an uphill battle at times, yeah. um, and the power is in their court um, because essentially, like with the licensing board, they can take away your license, and you know you can appeal it, but right. they have the power to do that. know, employment board, in the same way, has the power to take certain actions, and again, you could try to appeal it, but the process of doing that is such an you know undertaking in itself that, and the process that you went through, for example, was so you know it was already as unpleasant as it was. That they you know and they know that they're banking on that. Yeah. So
3: the the other thing I the other track I want to go with this in, in a larger sense is that I think one of the things that you guys have said a lot is making sure that you do your due diligence, having mm-hmm. a good team with you. And I, I agree with that. Um, right. I, I have a much bigger team with me now, legal, accounting, all these kind of things, uh, than I did in the past. But I also want to encourage people not to get too afraid of that. I don't know that I would do it differently. If I was looking back before I started hiring my first person and I were to say to myself, look, you got to hire a lawyer, make sure you know what you're doing, vet the contract, et cetera, et cetera, I never would have done it. I just I can't, you know, the, for a lot of us, the bandwidth that it takes to do all the things that you are supposed to do before you start, it's it's prohibitive. And so I don't really regret my decision. I'm still annoyed at this person who did what they did, but it's, I, I, it's sometimes okay to jump in and not have all of the answers. You know, you, learning along the way sometimes ends you up and, and you know, you, you go through the school of hard knocks. I think it's important to try to avoid the really egregious ones, but you can't know everything before you start. And if you, if you insist on knowing everything, but some people can do that. Some people can do a whole bunch of research and, you know, dot their I's and cross their T's. I'm not like that. I get an idea. I jump in. I try to test the water. Make sure there's no sharp rocks. But you know what? Sometimes I get a scrape, you know, and 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 I'm OK with that. I still do things like that where I don't know everything before I start. It, it, there's a risk to everything. That's, a, you know, no matter how much you you, you research and do, there's a risk. Uh, so, you know, I'm a little bit less risk averse in some areas and, and more in others. So, for example, I've, I've done a tremendous amount of research now on HIPAA because I'm really afraid of getting caught on something like that. So from this experience, I think I learned there's some things I do want to know about. Not to say that I'm, I became an expert in HIPAA before I started. Like I'm, I'm pretty well versed in HIPAA now, but it was a process. I started, I looked, and now before doing things, I really clear it with you know my my HIPAA senses, my HIPAA consultants before starting. So I've grown in that way, but I'm also still mm-hmm. willing to to jump in sometimes where needed.
1: Yeah,
2: I think that's um, you highlight a very important point, and I know Melissa and I have touched on this before. And that is that the importance again of having your team. You know, as you're starting out, this is the importance of, you know, in this case, it wasn't a factor here, but having an accountant, having a, um, someone who's a um, consultant, a HIPAA consultant, having an attorney in place is so important for practices that are starting out. You know, these are the kind of things that they're, they are an expense, but as I often think of, they're an investment because in the long term, they potentially can save you, you know, issues down the road by having those in place as you're starting out.
3: I think it's a balance because... If I had had to think about, you know, hiring an attorney and an accountant and everything at the beginning, I just never would have gotten there. I never would have gone. So it's a a delicate Mm -hmm. balance of what do I really need to do on day one? And what can I wait till day seven? And what can I wait till the next year before I'm going to hire, you know, an HR person or an accountant or whatever it might be?
1: Well, and I think the thing that's so interesting, you know, Dan and I are often talking about things to do for risk management, prevention, um, so that way you don't have, you know, unwanted difficulties later on. And, and what I hear you saying is I had that hard thing happen and uh, I don't want to say that I feel okay on the other end, but, and, um, I do I know, feel okay on the other
3: end. I, I don't regret what I did because I know that if I, in my present self would go back in time and say, look, you can't do this right without hiring an attorney and make sure you get an accountant and, and double check with the state. I just wouldn't have done it. I never would have gone forward. It's too much. Mm -hmm. It is
1: overwhelming.
3: Yeah. And so taking a few steps, you know, on a limb and then taking a few more and then saying, okay, now I'm ready to do X or to, to, you know, to get this piece of my team together. If somebody has, somebody feels they have to have the full spread of their whole team and everybody ready and all the pieces ready before they start, there's be a lot less therapists out there.
2: Now, did you talk to your attorney about hiring this person as a contractor um, and how to do that best before you did it? Or did you talk to an attorney after you hired them?
3: I didn't, I didn't really talk to an attorney. I, it, it didn't really occur to me that it was super necessary. I think I had an idea that it would be a good idea, but I wasn't at a place where I, was gonna, I just wasn't going to spend the money. I, I, mm-hmm. I was just starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So I got a boilerplate template. I said, I, you know, I, I said, look, I understand what the difference between a contractor and an employee is. On the federal level, it's not nearly as strict or complicated. So I was like, okay, I get it, right? This person is going to be control over their own stuff, does not need, to be. you know, makes their own hours, et cetera, et cetera. Made sense to me, great. Got a boilerplate template, showed it to a lawyer friend of mine who was not in the field. They said, change this, it looks all right, looks good. So I did not at any point consult with an attorney, a Maryland attorney saying, hey, am I really doing this right? Because it seemed sensible to me. I thought it made sense.
1: Yeah, well, and and- what I hear a little bit of is, is knowing that there's a balance, right? Not getting caught up in perfectionism so we don't start. Mm-hmm. And also knowing that there, there might be some things to prioritize without getting caught up in being too much of a perfectionist.
3: Yeah, I think it has to be both. I mean, that's my perspective on it. I'm sure there are many people who can really feel good about getting everything in place before they start. Great. I know there's many people like myself who can't do that. If, if it's going to be the whole mountain or nothing, it'll be nothing. So, you know, pick up a pebble, start. Yeah, I, I risked some stuff. I went on a limb. I kind of lost some stuff. Again, I, I don't regret that. You know, the amount of money that I that I lost paying to the government here, I would, I mean, first of all, I, I had I done it right, I probably would have been spending a lot much of that anyways in payroll taxes. It wasn't a whole lot of extra. But I just I never would have gone, I would never have gotten to where I am in my practice. And so I, I've made that money back by now, but I never would have if someone told me, look, don't start unless you get a lawyer or an accountant or all. I would like, okay, I'll just, I'll just stick with my other job. I'm not going to bother opening the practice or I won't hire. Like I just, I I couldn't have done it.
2: I, I, uh, yeah. One thing I will say is I do think that, you know, unfortunately for your experience, you know, it sounds like an attorney would have been able to advise you. Yes. Um, Probably been able to direct you that, you know, and and I often talk to my clients about this is that when they hire contractors, I recommend that they, make sure they are and have an outside entity or LLC. Um, but that's where, again, you know, I think from people's perspective, when you're hiring, this is the important that you're highlighting here is that you really do need to cross your T's and dot your I's, you know, um, and that contracts and what's in them can really impact whether or not, you know, you may have an issue down the road, Um, And that's what that, you know, what your point is showing, uh, I think, our listeners is, you know, how important it is to pay attention to this aspect. Even if you don't hire an attorney, this is one of those things where you have to. This is one of the most probably the areas where you have to be most diligent. Right. Because if just because the legalese, as we say, right, is what can really come back to bite you in the ass if you're not careful.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting to hear that you would not go back and change things, even though you've been through something that, although I hear you saying it wasn't the most stressful, I feel like a lot of people would think it's really stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hear you saying I've learned a lot as a result. And so that there was value in the learning experience. Um, And you've mentioned that this experience has motivated you to be interested in some other things like HIPAA. Can you kind of bridge that gap a little bit between
3: yeah, I don't think I ever said to myself, well, I don't want that to happen again. Let me let me do HIPAA. But mm-hmm. um, the truth is, I, I kind of am an anxious person. And I managed originally by ignoring that. And because I knew that I wouldn't go forward if I had to worry about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of that experience, I, I imagine that influenced how I went forward in terms of doing new things. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that HIPAA was a thing. And I, you know, I really don't want to get into it with fence. <laughs> that mm-hmm. does not sound like fun. So I learned a little bit, and then I learned a little bit more, and then I I, I, sort of, I got a contract. Uh, the, the Montgomery County thing became a contract with between me and, and the county. And I said, okay, now I really have to do this right because if I'm going to be work, you know, uh, basically I became a business associate of the county, and that puts me in a really tight place. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to go whole hog. And I learned a lot. I researched a lot. Uh, I bought a big program, uh, and I spent a lot of time. And so now I feel very competent to the point where I'm actually giving sort of introductory webinars to people who are in the position where I was. And I say, look, I know where you're at. You don't want to know. You don't want to think about it. You'd rather not, but I'm going to give you, here's my no judgment introduction to to HIPAA. Here's what you don't know you don't know. And you make a decision what you want to do. But you know, with the goal of like reducing people's anxiety about it, not increasing like, oh my gosh, there's so much I don't know. Like, hey, here's what there is to know. Here's where the areas are for research. Here's the first things you could do.
1: Go for it if you want. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Dan.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, and when it, when, it, when it comes to HIPAA, what is the, one of the most, because I hear from all sorts of people, all different things, you know, as you're learning this process, HIPAA, because HIPAA is such a large beast, it's such a large Oops. just animal just to try to tackle. Um, and I think that's, um, for many people, that's what makes it most intimidating. It's not that, you know, HIPAA itself, there's anything wrong with it. It's that someone looks at it who doesn't know anything about it. And it's like, oh, my, just too much to know. You know, what for you was the most challenging aspect of kind of mastering it, you know, you know, in terms of tackling it for you? You know, what was the area that you found if there was an area that found most challenging?
3: I think it really is, like you said, just the size of the beast. It's like you want to know something. And so you you, you read an article. You're like, wait a second. That's like a small piece of it. Let, let me read the next one, and then you know, the more you sort of get into it, the more you realize, like, oh my gosh, there's so. It's it's very. It can be a little bit deflating. It's like you know, you you, you climb up the, the the mountain and you get to the top. You're like, wait a second, this is just the first plateau, and there's like a whole another one. It gets hard to keep climbing. So just the idea of being like one step at a time, a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, I, I it was very reassuring to learn that um, at least according to some people, the effort counts. Meaning, if you didn't get it right, but you show that you're trying. That counts for a lot, apparently, in this area, uh, as opposed to, well, sorry, I didn't get it right, you know, zero points. So it's like partial credit. It's like, oh, you know, if, if ever you've gotten to an audit or something, you could show like, hey, I tried this with the encryption here, and I've been, you know, keeping records here, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you show that you're making an effort, like, hey, that that's something. And so that's reassuring, as opposed to like, you know, when I spoke to the DLR, they didn't really care whether I tried or not, they're like, eh, not a contractor. I said, but no. And they're like, not a contractor. I said, but did you think of? No, not a contractor.
2: Right. Absolutely. I'm
1: making all sorts of cringy faces right now.
2: Right. Totally.
1: Yeah. Well, Rafi, we appreciate you coming on today. Um, if people are interested in finding you and connecting with you, how can they do that?
3: Uh, so um, I am at uh, Baltimore um, I've launched some webinars there and some other useful stuff for professionals. Uh, I'm also about to launch uh, workspaceehr.com uh, because I use Google Workspace for basically all my stuff. Um, and so I've found that people want to know how to do that. So I'm teaching people there. I'm going to start a blog, I'm going to start some services. Uh, so it's just I find that to be a helpful and affordable way to run things. So that was my new endeavor that I mentioned that I'm launching. Uh, getting ready any day now. Pretty exciting. So any of those two places are a good place to find me. Get some more info and connect with me if you want. All right.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for everything and for coming on our, our podcast today. Um, that wraps up today's conversation. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed today's uh, conversation. As a reminder, you know, we are constantly looking to hear from you, the listener. Um, and as we always say, we want to hear from you You know, on our Facebook page or reach out to us via our webpage. But we also really want to hear from you because if you have a story to tell your own similar experience um, or different experience about an obstacle you went through or a challenge you overcame, um, we want to hear from it. And we think maybe our listeners might want to hear from it. So if you go to our website, um, there is a link you can just submit. Um, it's a quick kind of survey form. Put some information in, submit that to us, um, and we'll be in touch with you to follow up uh, with you about that. Um, Evan, thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you on our next episode. Be well, my friends.
0: Thank you for listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast. Be sure to visit protectingyourpractice.com to connect with us, continue the conversation and access additional information. As a reminder, the information on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Listeners should contact their own attorney or paid consultant for all decisions regarding their own practice.